Call all hands. Beat to quarters. Run out the guns. Stand by this tablet battery. One broadside into her, if you please, Captain Bush. Pointers on target. Linstock's ready. Aye, aye, sir. Ready. Fire. Michael Redgrave as C.S. Forrester's indomitable man of the sea, Horatio Hornblower. Uh, here's the papers they brought. Oh. 
What's the ultimatum, my lord? Well, he wants an amnesty, blast him. We're to hang Chadwick and forgive the loss of them, or they'll they'll hand the brig over to the French. The crazy fools. Yeah, mind you, it's possible they had some cause. Chadwick's in his fifties and still only a lieutenant. He was always bad-tempered, and lack of promotion made him worse. The coach drew into the Admiralty Yard, and I followed the First Lord to his room. I give you a free hand, and you can set about it any way you like. Mm. I can spare you three ships of the line if you want them, a couple of frigates, bomb vessels, there's even a, a rocket vessel if you think you could use it. Yeah, uh, it doesn't seem the sort of situation where sheer force would be of much use, my lord. Will you... Uh, Give me full powers, well, to negotiate, for instance. No, damn it, I will not negotiate. Well, I know what you're up against. Those insolent swine can slip into the mouth of the Seine and give themselves up at the first sign of danger. Well, if they do that, Bonaparte will have his finest propaganda story in 20 years. Yes, I know, I know. It's, it's brains that are needed here. Now, that's why I sent for you. Besides, the seamen like you, Hornblower. They follow you and listen to you. But if you want me to talk to them, it implies that I'm negotiating, my lord. No negotiations. You've had enough of that in 94. Well, then, the carte blanche you gave me is no more than the usual naval officer's orders, my lord. Forgive me if I point out my position, sir, but this is a difficult task. Failure endangers the country and makes me the laughingstock of the Navy. Success brings no honor, for it must remain secret. I submit, sir, that the least I should have is full power to do whatever seems best on the spot. Uh, oh, all right, you shall have your powers. I'll draw up the orders to that effect. You'll hold your appointment as Commodore, of course. Sir, you look a bit... Uh, 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 going below, just um, call me if necessary. 
now, sir. Like old days, did you see again, sir? You always was seasick at the start of a trip, sir. Confound your insolence, Brown. I am not sick, sir. Nearly tired. Yes, of course you're tired, sir. This bucking on plunging not to tire anyone. <laughs> uh, when you go on deck again, sir, the leadership asked me to see that you wore this silk scarf she made for you. It's very light and warm as a toaster. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, leave it there. Uh, aye, sir. That gale was interminable. Night and day it raged. And though Freeman clawed into it as much as he dared, I knew that it was gradually drifting us away from the course we needed to make to find the mutineers. In the meantime, I fought my squeamish stomach, learned my way about the ship, and tried to pretend to myself that I should know how to handle mutineers when the time came. Freeman was a good captain. And his vessel was well kept and his crew as happy as any crew could be in such weather and circumstances. The whole crew's been buzzing with pleasure, Sir Horatio, since you recognized that seaman yesterday. It's not often they see a commodore shake hands with an ordinary seaman. He taught me a lot of good work, Mr. Freeman. You won't really tell the men why you're here, will you, sir? Afraid I'll have to. We may have to fight, and I can't ask Englishmen to kill Englishmen without some explanation. Oh, the watch is changing now. This will be as good time as any. You have the goodness to summon the mark, will you? Yeah, very well, sir. Raise you. Mr. Carlo! Aye, sir. All hands must turn off! Aye, wondering what has sent me to sea with you. Well, I'll tell you. There is villainy afloat. British seamen have disgraced themselves. They've mutinied in the very presence of the enemy. My God, he's running a risk. Fancy saying the word mutiny to a gang like this. We're off the French coast too, and they they know that Bonaparte will heap wealth and luxury on any crew who brings in a British ship. Now listen, man. The crew of our own sister ship, the Flame, has done this contemptible thing. Now they're sheltering here in this very bay of the same. Every man's hand is against them. The French have no use for mutineers, and it's our mission to dig these rats from their holes. They betrayed England, remember, forgotten their duty to king and country. The villains who have led them astray must pay the price of their villainy. If they're mad enough to offer fight, then we must fight them. If they surrender without bloodshed, that will be remembered in their favor at their trial. I want no bloodshed. But if that's what they want, they shall have it. Good morning! Clever, that was. Never gave him a clue that he thought they might follow the flame's example. They're happy enough and flattered at being told. Well, I... Well, that will do, man. About your work now, and remember, I shall expect unquestioning obedience.
sail set to the royals. She, yes, sir, she's a French West Indian going into the Seine. She must have slipped past the blockade in the gale. Probably full of grain and sugar. One cargo into the Seine like that is worth more to Bonaparte than a dozen delivered to some inlet on the Biscay coast. Blast, she's too well in. There'd be no catching her before she reached Harbour Grass. We'll have to let her go, Mr. Friedman. It's a pity. If it wasn't for the flame, we might have taken her. That would have meant at least ten pounds a man prize money. Yes, Freeman, that won't make the man any better disposed towards the mutineers. The flame's standing steadily in, sir. She's obviously not going to let us get near her. She'll give herself up to the French if we do. A pity we can't get to windward of her. Well, there's no room to do it before she gets away. Oh. Um, please have a boat hoisted out for me. I'll have to go and parley with the villains. Aye, aye, sir. <laughs> she don't mean to be taken by surprise, sir. Her guns are out and her bobbing knitting's rigged. Guns, man, look out for lost war and to the rafts. Well, sure, I'm proper like this. I've got eyes of my own brand. Stay here, Chatter. Oh, ahoy! Who are you? Shall I tell him, sir? Yes, go on. Commodore, sir, a racial wrangler. Hey, me! Come alongside. Let it all come on your horn blower on board, but no one else. Lay alongside, Brown. Aye, I'll go up to the main chains. Can we tell your boat to hear, Commodore? We're taking no risks. Cheer up, Brown. Stand off and on. And now, may I ask your business here, Commodore? I wish to speak to the leader of the mutineers. I'm the captain of this ship. You can address yourself to me. Nathaniel Sweet, sir. I'll address myself to you as far as I desire, unless you are also the leader of the mutineers. In that case, you can call back your boat and leave us, sir. This was an impasse already. I studied the white-haired, wrinkled old man with the telescope under his arm who called himself Nathaniel Sweet. The only thing at all unusual about his appearance was a pistol stuck in his belt. England has sent you here to swing me on the gallows anyway. Oh, I'm here to recall you to your duty. Uh, letting bygones be bygones. Have to stand a fair trial, you and your confederates. That means the gallows. And I'd be lucky compared with some of the others. You shall have a fair and honest trial. With every mitigating circumstance taken into consideration. The only trial I'd attend to be to bear witness against Chadwick. The fellow we killed James Jones, a ship's boy, and reported that he died of fever. Aye, and a few other things, too. Our terms are full pardon for us and a fair trial for Chumwick. You're being very foolish. You're throwing away your last chance. Surrender now with Mr. Chadwick unbound and the ship in good order, and that will weigh heavily in your favor. Refuse, and what can you look for? Death. That's all death. Nothing can save you from your country's vengeance. Uh, nothing? <laughs> Begging your pardon, but Boney can. You trust Bonaparte's word? Sure. He'd like to have this ship, no doubt, but you and your gang. He won't encourage mutiny. His power rests too much on his own army. He'll hand you back to be made an example of. <laughs> Willie, now. Look at these letters. Three on the floor. No, no, I'll keep hold of them. Thank you. This is from the military governor of Arbor Grace. And that only promises her the welcome. This is from the prefect of the Department of the Inferior Saint. It promises us provisions and water if we need them. And this is a letter from Paris sent down to us by post. It promises us immunity from arrest. 
civil rights in France and a pension for every man from the age of 60. And do you know who is signed by? Marie Louise, Empress, Queen and Regent. <laughs> Boney won't go back on his wife's world. <laughs> you mean to tell me, ma'am, that you've been in communication with us all? Aye, we have. And if you had the prospect before you were being flogged round the fleet, you'd do the same. Them to go in, sir. No, and she won't. 
sweet won't give himself up to the French unless he's driven to it. So we won't drive him. We'll sail into the mist. But we'll go in, Mr. Freeman. And they'll think we are the flame, don't you see? We'll sail in as safely as though we were going into Portsmouth Harbor. My heavens, sir, it's brilliant. Horatio Hornblower, starring Michael Redgrave, is based on the novels by C.S. Forrester. Music composed and conducted by Sidney Torch. Produced by Harry Allen Towers.